Want to make a podcast? Spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easily and distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else your podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I've discovered Spotify for podcasters, I just enjoy putting these podcasts out for everyone to really like. I highly recommend you give it a try. It's so easy to use. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started today. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. What is up, everyone? I'm excited about this episode because we're going to be talking about, you know, the 49ers uh, 53-man roster. So I'm really looking forward into getting into that uh, because I think that potentially, um, you know, the 49ers are, have a lot of talent, but there's some guys um, that they could definitely go with um, that can make this 53-man roster. And I think they're going to have a very impressive 53-man roster. Now, we're going to keep uh, the focus today on the 49ers um offensive side of the ball um so i think that's something that we're gonna we're gonna keep in order uh and we'll do defense tomorrow and i know there's gonna be a lot of conversation and a lot of questions today about the you know the otas and and that's okay we can talk about that a little bit as well um so i'm, I'm excited about that potential so um I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting into this and you know go ahead and and just uh join in and and get involved with everything that's going on because uh I'm very excited to get into it. Um, and one, one of the ways I'm going to do this is I'm going to use a little bit of uh, what the San Francisco Chronicle was doing. And what's up to everyone in chat? Everyone's coming through and saying hello. It's really good to see all of you here. Um, all the big hitters are in chat, and I'm excited about this. Uh, but I'm going to use the, the San Francisco Chronicle as kind of a guide. And then you guys can I can kind of throw off what they did for their 53-man roster. And we can have a really nice conversation about it. This is from Eric Branch of the San Francisco Chronicle. So we'll go through what he said, you know, and then we'll have a conversation of whether those things make sense or not. And I, I think that as we're going through this, there's going to be some decisions that maybe we're going to disagree with Eric Branch. Uh, maybe sometimes we're going to agree. So I think that this is a, this is potential. So, um, so I'm ready to get into this. And I think right now, what's up, D. Will? Welcome to chat. I think we're going to start with uh the quarterback position this one shouldn't be too difficult right right uh as we're coming into the offseason you would think this shouldn't be too difficult and what's up freddie mac dre welcome I'm, I'm really excited to have this conversation and quarterback position uh quarterback we know trey lance is going to be the the, the the quarterback that's number one in the room so we're going to go ahead and put him off the list and then what eric branch did was he went nate sudfeld with the caveat that they were trading jimmy garoppolo um, I still think that from everything that I heard from Kyle Shanahan today, that that's still the plan is for the 49ers to go ahead and have Nate Sudfeld be the backup quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo to be traded. Jimmy Garoppolo is definitely nowhere to be found, nowhere to be seen. Uh, George Kittle doesn't know what's going on with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. He has yet to return any of his text messages. What's up, Grish? Uh, welcome to chat. I don't know exactly what's going on with Jimmy Garoppolo. The one thing I do know is that I don't expect Jimmy Garoppolo to be on the opening day roster. I do think they want to move him. I think they want to free up that $25 million. 
If they can work out a trade to be able to move him, I think they would like to do that. Uh, if Jimmy Garoppolo is willing to take less money as part of a restructuring to get to another football team, then I think the 49ers could move him. But um, I think when it comes down to it, I don't think Eric Branch is wrong when it comes to his quarterback choices of Trey Lance and Nate Sudfeld with Brock Purdy getting cut and Jimmy Garoppolo getting traded. I think that's the perfect situation for the 49ers and what they really want to do. So I'm in agreement with Eric Branch on this. Uh, anybody in chat disagree with the fact that it's going to be Trey Lance and Nate Sudfeld? Do you guys believe that Jimmy Garoppolo will be the backup quarterback? I know there are people that still believe Jimmy Garoppolo would be the best option. I don't disagree that he would be the best option. The question is at what financial you know, uh, payout are you going to be willing to do this? Because Jimmy Garoppolo more than likely wouldn't want to take less money. If he did, he's the perfect situation because he's a guy that understands the offense has the, a command of the huddle, understands the locker room. So you could easily do that. I just don't think it works out. I don't think Jimmy wants to be here. I think Jimmy wants to be somewhere where he can start. Uh, so moving would would definitely be probably the best situation for him. So the quarterback position is, is pretty easy. Trey Lance, Nate Sudfeld, follow the money. Nate gets the big-time money. Uh, that makes sense. And Freddie Mac says, we need someone else to have an injury at quarterback to get max value for Jimmy and trade. Yeah, I'm not sure if we're going to be able to get Max Max deal now, Freddie. I, I really don't because I think that, that ship kind of sailed when he had the shoulder surgery. Once he had the shoulder surgery, it just feels like Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get moved. And really what you're trying to do is be able to move Jimmy Garoppolo without eating any of his salary. So if you have to eat a large amount of his salary, it's better to just go ahead and cut him and not get any draft capital back. So I'm just like, ugh. I, you know, I, I know it's a perfect in a perfect world, you'd be able to trade him for a lot of draft capital. That doesn't seem to be what's in the cards right now. Uh, but you're right. If somebody had an injury, I think Jimmy Garoppolo definitely would be a target for almost any football team because he's a, a quarterback that's proven he can win and a quarterback that's well respected around the league. Um, so that's potentially what you know what could happen. And and Freddie Mac says I don't think we Jimmy can run the system we will use this year. Um, when it comes down to it, though, the fact that the entire install, he understands the offense and what's going on, the base offense. So he would be able to run the offense. What he would do is you would strip off the extra parts. It's like a transformer. I mean, when you have Trey Lance out there, you're going to add these extra parts to your offense, these wrinkles that, that he can do at a high level that maybe Jimmy doesn't and can't do. But what happens is when Jimmy Garoppolo is out there, you just strip off those parts and roll with the things that Jimmy does well. Kyle could easily build back in the parts of the offense that Jimmy Garoppolo needed to do if he had to come in and fill in for trade because of injury. So that's why you can have quarterbacks that have different skill sets. And that's why Nate Sudfeld still makes sense as a backup quarterback for Trey Lance because he can still do all those things. And you can make this offense you know, fit what Nate Sudfeld wants to do. And remember, these these guys in the NFL now, they're basically putting in brand new uh, offensive game plans every single week to go against a defensive scheme and defensive players and philosophy that you're going against. So being able to have a full week for Jimmy Garoppolo to be prepared, they could definitely do that. So I think that that is something that could still be a possibility, but you're not going to do it at that amount of money. You're just not going to pay Jimmy Garoppolo $25 million to be a backup. I know what John Lynch is saying, but I do believe John John Lynch is posturing a little bit uh, because I believe that he still wants to trade Jimmy Garoppolo. He wants to get the most he can get back. What that will be, though, it could just be a late-round pick. But if you got a late-round pick and you were able to get that $25 million off your books, I think you would feel good with it after what happened in the catastrophe of the early part of spring where he had the surgery and really derailed any chances of getting him traded you know, for, for a big amount. And so next up, we're going to go through the running back position. I'll go through exactly who Eric Branch had make it, and then we'll have a discussion about if we believe these are the same guys um, that we think are going to make the team. And running backs and fullbacks, so we put them together. He he did on, in this case, and he has Elijah Mitchell making the roster, Trey Sermon, uh, Tyron Davis-Price, Jeff Wilson Jr., and then, of course, Kyle Juszczyk, the guy that can do it all. So Kyle Juszczyk, of course, the fullback, and then the other four running back so the wide receiver or running back room taking up five spots that's pretty much what has happened uh in san francisco over the recent years and then we're getting some comments so i will go ahead and go through a little bit of those before we get into this value um and jimmy g wouldn't take a pay cut donald johnson i, I believe i'm with you on that lou says realistically and i don't think it pencils out for garoppolo to play hardball with his salary what does he really think he can get on the open market if he doesn't restructure I think he would be willing to restructure if traded. 
Uh, that is his, that's the one thing he's got going for him and the one leverage is he can tell the 49ers, hey, I'm not willing to restructure with you because he wants to ultimately start. So if that means taking less money to play in Carolina, but he can be the starting quarterback, that's a better situation. What works out for all sides, including the 49ers, is if you can work out a deal where he's works something out with Carolina, takes less money, and the 49ers are able to work out a trade. Maybe you don't get the amount of draft capital you originally wanted, but you're still going to be able to get something back. So I think that's the perfect scenario and perfect situation. Just don't know if that's exactly going to happen. Lax has to extend Jimmy to a three-year deal uh, and add a potable contract for a team sign and trade. Um, I think that you you when you're working out trades, you can allow these uh, players to negotiate with their their team, their future team. So I do think they can work it out. So I, I'm excited about the potential of still moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo if they're able to do that. I think they want to get that $25 million off the books. Now, don't get me wrong. In a perfect world, Jimmy Garoppolo would be the backup quarterback here for Trey Lance. You'd have two really good quarterbacks. But this ain't a perfect world because you have $25.2 million hanging over your head and a shadow that it casts that affects a lot of different players on your football team, including potentially bringing other players back um, or, you know, whatever you would have to do if, if Alex Mack retired. If Alex Mack retired and you wanted to go with J.C. Treader, uh, you don't have the money to do that right now. If you want to bring back Kwiski Tart, you don't have the money to do that right now. All those things can be solved by one simple move of moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo. The quarterback position is the most valuable, but the value to, to this team right now is not worth $25 million. If they believed he was going to be the starting quarterback, then that value would absolutely be worth $25 million. In fact, um, he's he's worth every single penny because he can get your team all the way deep into the playoffs. So I think that that's one thing we're looking at that. But let's go back to the running back position with Eric Branch going with Elijah Mitchell, Trey Sermon, uh, Tyron Davis-Price, uh, the new rookie, Jeff Wilson Jr., and then, of course, Kyle Yushek, the fullback. I, I don't disagree with any of these. I mean, the, the cuts, of course, are Jermichael Hasty, Jordan Mason, who's an undrafted free agent. A lot of people have been coming through chat and saying they really, really like Jordan Mason, all the great things that his college coaches have been saying about him. You know, and I don't have anything negative to say about him. I, I liked what I saw on film so far. I think he's going to be able to come in here and compete. And the way that Kyle Shanahan in this front office definitely values guys that are undrafted, I don't put it past an undrafted player to make the team. Here's the problem. When you're looking at this running back room, it's absolutely, absolutely loaded because Elijah Mitchell was already doing big things last year. Uh, the only thing with him is can he you know, continue to carry the ball 20 to 25 times? I don't think that's sustainable. I don't think that's what they want um, from Elijah Mitchell. So I think with Elijah Mitchell, they needed to add backs that were going to be able to do things. Now, there are questions surrounding Trey Sermon, the third-round pick from last year. Will Trey Sermon be able to develop the running style in which Kyle Shanahan, Anthony Lynn now with Bobby Turner being retired, wanting him to you know run in this offense. They want him to be a one-cut-and-go guy. The belief was that he could develop into a one-cut-and-go guy. We haven't seen it yet. Now, we saw you know a couple of really nice runs against Green Bay. That was his only significant playing time that we got to see. But you can only judge him in the NFL off of what you saw in that game and then what we saw in practice. And I can tell you, he's still developing. He's a guy that's a big physical guy that can definitely do things for you in the red zone. But remember, when you got to the end of the season, uh, Trey Sermon wasn't the guy you know that they were calling upon. Trey Sermon was someone they left off the roster. And Nico Jones says, no, he cannot. Um, so I don't know exactly who uh, you're talking about, Nico. So let me know who you're talking about. I'm, I'm really curious about that. And so... Trey Sermon is a guy that still needs to develop. And I think that he, maybe he's going to come back and be a little bit better this year. I'm definitely curious about that. But Elijah Mitchell, Trey Sermon is who I believe the 49ers wanted their one-two punch to be. Uh, Freddie McDre says, any undrafted free agent running backs you think have a chance to unseat Wilson? I think when it comes down to it, I think they're going to switch w Wilson's role a little bit. Uh, the addition of Terion Davis uh, yeah, from TDP, um, bringing him onto the roster, I think what that does is kind of signal that Jeff Wilson Jr. and Elijah Mitchell are going to share the role of being the third down back. Both are good receiving threats, where Trey Sermon and, and TDP aren't. They're not receiving threats. So Elijah Mitchell and Jeff Wilson Jr. could share that role. They're both really good in pass protection. That's something Jordan Mason's coach has been saying that he's really good at. So those are some options there. So I do think that right now, though that is the possibility for Jeff Wilson Jr. And I know that there has been some talk and I really thought potentially he wasn't coming back, 
But I think Jeff Wilson Jr. is a better option than Jamichael Hasty as a third down back. Jeff Wilson Jr. fits what Kyle Shanahan wants to do more. The, the physical running style, the aggressive running style, being able to block. He was used a lot playing off ball as a wing and then going in motion and blocking people on the run plays that they were developing. So I think that he was being used like a battering ram and, and some of the blocking and things that he does. I think Jeff Wilson Jr. has a really good opportunity to make this team. I think Jamichael Hasty, as Lou was saying, I'm afraid Hasty is history. I think Jamichael Hasty is definitely on the bubble. I think he is. And I think that they've been, you know, drafting running backs with a specific style because they're going more to running a the gap scheme. They ran the they went a lot of gap scheme in 2019. And that's something they did again. And I think that everyone believed last year was going to be an inside zone look. They were going, you know, Aaron Banks. They were going Jalen Moore. And they're going to go ahead and, and, you know, go with an inside zone. And it didn't materialize. Part of the reason it didn't materialize is Aaron Banks. Aaron Banks wasn't ready to go. Uh, so, um, and then uh, Nico Jones says, uh, clarified, that's why I want to read it. Elijah Mitchell cannot hold up at 205. If you're going back to playing way of 215 in college, I think he would be fine. Nico, he is. He actually announced uh, he when he did his last press conference that he's going back to 215 pounds. So that should make you feel a little bit better. And I agree, being 205 pounds, he cannot. I believe he said he played most of this year between 208 and 210. So he definitely needed to put on some size. Moving to 205 uh, before his pro day, got his 4-3 speed. But you're right, he can't hold up to what Kyle Shanahan wants playing at 205. That extra 10 pounds is really big for him. So I, him saying he was going back to 215, was a really big signal to that the 49ers running backs are all going to be big physical guys and lacks that saying four-headed monster let's go that's what it seems like it seems like all these guys are going to be able to run on the inside elijah mitchell is going to be tasked with running the outside zone he's going to be that guy jeff wilson jr has proved before he can do it and i'm curious to see what tdp's um speed looks like because he talked about him being himself being a 448 guy not sure I always saw that on film, but you never know what it's going to look like. They've talked to him about weighing 220 to 222 pounds. That's a big physical running back. And if you're going to have all four of these guys that are big physical running backs, Jeff Wilson Jr. considered the small guy on your running back room. Like, I'm feeling pretty good about that. So I do like that room overall. Um, I think looking at it, you know, Josh Hokett's always going to get cut. He just can't start over Kyle Juszczyk. He's a good football player. Um, and, and a nice backup, but he's just not going to be able to make this roster. And then with Jordan Mason, it comes down to, can he beat out Jeff Wilson Jr.? That, that's that's the big question. Can he beat out Jeff Wilson Jr.? Jermichael Hasty, can he beat out Jeff Wilson Jr.? It's going to be tough because the 49ers have put value into these draft picks. Elijah Mitchell proved that he's definitely making this roster. And then Trey Sermon and, and Ty Davis Price have proven to be big physical guys. Uh, that they've spent a lot of draft capital on. You're not giving up on third round picks after one year in Trey Sermon's case, after you know a rookie, you know, be, becoming a rookie in Ty Davis Price. You're just not. So I do think that maybe you know that's something that the 49ers are just looking to do is get big physical guys that can continue to do it. Uh, and G and Jimmy G to New York Giants uh, SB Ants wish list. It's you know Jimmy G to New York would make sense because I don't think you want to go into a season Lou uh, with with Jones as your quarterback. I just don't think you do. Uh, they freed up some money with Bradbury being gone, but I don't know if Jimmy G is that answer. But I think if they were smart, they would do that. He'd be a nice stopgap bridge guy um, to get them where they want to go. But I think at this point, I'm okay with this running back room the way it's constituted. I'm good with these guys because I do like Elijah Mitchell's vision. I like the way he's able to squeeze through small holes. And then I like the patience I saw on film from uh, Ty Davis Price. There's a lot of patience with a quick acceleration once he sees what he wants to go with and, and run. So I, I do like it overall, and I agree with Eric Branch for the most part, you know, on his running back decisions. Um, and I, I think that, you know, so far there hasn't been any really, really hard decisions going through this 53-man roster. I, I think running back was probably the first one because you had the potential of Jermichael Hasty versus Jeff Wilson Jr. And some might believe that Jermichael Hasty is still the better option. Jermichael Hasty is a, a really good pass catcher. I mean, he can do a lot of things. My problems with Jermichael Hasty are he hasn't really developed much in the run game. He showed it in the preseason. But then when you got into the actual games, it didn't seem like he had very many carries. And then you didn't really see... Um, Kyle Shanahan use him much and he's not able to get third in shorts that's not something he does at a high level so I worry about him in those areas plus in pass protection 
sometimes he struggled. And I want a, a more big physical running back that's going to be able to stymie blitzing linebackers and pick up, you know, guys off the edge in case you need to slide protect. I just want a guy that's a little bit better in that in that sort of situation. So that's part of the reason I think it might be time for Jamichael Hasty. And if Jamichael Hasty is gone, that means you improve the room overall because he has been the third down back. Uh, 49er Fogey says, where do you see Nick Zakel? Running backs need holes to run through. Um, Nick Zakel, I'm going to get into in a minute when we get to the offensive lineman. But um, there is some interesting stuff coming with Nick Zakel because Eric Branch uh, definitely is not as high on Nick Zakel as I am. Uh, Lacta says DDP goal line back. I'm not taking any of these backs in fantasy unless it's the uh, defined role seems split and unknown. Yeah, I wouldn't take any of them. I think they're going to use a lot of these backs. Kyle Shannon primarily lock, locks onto a couple of guys that he wants to go through a rotation. Uh, but I think he is going to kind of rotate through these guys. And we'll see what happens between TDP and, you know, with Trey Sermon. You know, which one of those guys is going to be beating out the other one to get those extra carries? Because I think they're not all going to be used, you know, predominantly throughout the season. I think it's going to be... If TDP can beat Trey Sermon, he's going to get those carries. I don't think they're just going to roll with all four guys. I think there three of those guys will get the you know the biggest amount of playing time. Um, so that's what I'm I'm looking for. And Grish says TDP reminds me of Steelers running back uh, Chris Fulmatu Mafala. Oh, I remember Mafala. He was good, solid number two option. Uh, so yeah, I mean he, that that's a good comparison and a nice pull right there. Um, and, and Nico Jones says cut hasty, send him on. It, it appears that that's what's going to happen. It appears that Jamichael Hasty is going to be on the, the road. But uh, I think what the cool thing is, is seeing the development of this running back room. If we were talking about this a couple years ago, uh, it would have been like, whoa, well, no, we need hasty on this team. So I think the development of, um, you know, the, the running back room is definitely important. So uh, let's get to wide receivers. We know that wide receivers is something that should be pretty much uh, easy to go through because we're going to have uh, Debo Samuel. This is what Eric Branch has. Debo Samuel, uh, Brandon Ayuk, uh, Jawan Jennings, Danny Gray, and Ray Ray McLeod. Uh, he went with five wide receivers with those being cut being Marcus Johnson, Austin Mack, Keyshawn Johnson, Malik Turner, Tay Martin, and Taysir Mack. I, I think of the names that we, we, we named there potentially. Malik Turner is the guy that could make this roster if he was doing big things on special teams. He could be your, your six receiver. But do you want to keep six receivers with the fact of what you're doing in other positions? You might find more value in keeping an extra D lineman, find more value in keeping an offensive lineman. Uh, there's, there's a lot of other positions you could keep an extra player than keeping a wide receiver because Kyle Shanahan didn't really play six guys a whole lot there. Uh, Ronnie Montoya says, hey, Ant, did you see Trey Lance open the water bottle? No issue with the thumb. He's okay. Well done. I, you know, I, I haven't got to watch all that. I was kind of listening. Um, I had my phone on, and I was just listening through my headset about what Trey Lance was saying, and I was listening to him talk about his finger and stuff. But I haven't got a chance to, to break down the bottle opening. I'm going to have to check that out and, and make sure the bottle opens correctly um, because, you know, we can't have any issues there. And we know that uh, last year, Thumbgate with – with Jimmy Garoppolo being able to open the bottle, is the thumb really okay? Well played, Ronnie. Uh, remembering that and bringing it up, well done. Uh, that's that's very solid. I'm I'm actually gonna go back and watch that now because I'm just interested to watch how he what he was doing with his finger uh, as he was talking about how his finger was injured and then and then got healthy. It was actually pretty interesting. I haven't got through all of the the press conferences yet. I'm looking forward to getting into those. And, and once I do, I'm, I'm sure we'll have, a, you know, a conversation about that because there was some information and uh, Kyle Shanahan was very crass, which I enjoyed. I love a little grouchy uh, Kyle Shanahan. Um, so when it comes to potentially Malik Turner, uh, that's a guy, you know, and oh, Nico Jones is saying Raymond McLeod's a guy we should not have signed. I'm curious about, you know, what your beliefs are on that, Nico, um, because I did like the Ray-Ray McLeod signing. And the reason I like the Ray-Ray McLeod signing and why you're you know telling me why you didn't really care for it um, is because I believe that him being able to do things in open field and also the addition of him on special teams as a returner. Uh, we do know he's going to work on having to secure the football. We can't have fumbles. That's not something that we need from Ray Ray McLeod. But it seemed like that return situation was always a problem last year, whether it was through injury, you know, the the opportunities they gave to Brandon Ayuk. Um, there were just lots of things that they were potentially trying to work on. So I think that right now, bringing Ray Ray McLeod in definitely helped in the return game as far as special teams. 
but also he's going to be able to do some things with quick screens, you know, catching those balls in the short intermediate areas, converting first downs. But we talked about this well before special, uh, well before uh, free agency ever happened was we needed a guy that was quick and shifty, uh, a guy that could create in the open space like Ray Ray McLeod, do a little bit of the things in the backfield as far as reverses and, and fly sweeps and things uh, like that. And then we wanted a guy that could take the top off the defense. Uh, we were hoping it was going to be you know somebody like Christian Watson because he had the height to go with it. But Danny Gray was a very, very lovely choice because he's got tremendous speed. Uh, really good in the press release that I saw, some of the moves that he's been using. I worry about his... Uh, strength being able to get off cornerbacks but i think kyle shanahan can motion him move him around keep him off ball in the slot where he'll have normal space to be able to beat people so i like both of those moves but i am curious why you um why you don't like the move nico uh because that's okay i, I am curious about your opinion um because i i'm sure that there's lots of people that definitely uh disagree with you know certain signings and different moves so it's kind of fun and then donald said i am concerned about ray ray mcleod bumbling yeah I, I think if that's a concern that's definitely something you have to worry about and i'm sure that's going to be something that they're going to work on him continuously with um and you know coach hank is going to have to work on that big time making sure he keeps that ball you know the the five points of pressure four points of pressure keeping that ball locked to your chest don't let it get away from you uh you start swimming that football and it can get loose so you're right that's something that he's going to have to focus on and pay attention to um, but those five guys, for me, make a lot of sense. I wouldn't be surprised if the 49ers don't bring in somebody else. You know, I, I know everyone talks about Julio Jones. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about kind of a guy that could come in and compete, potentially, um, you know, make it to the end, uh, you know, the end of the roster guy, somebody that could come in and, and shock or surprise just in case you suffer an injury as well. So those are those are things I'm still expecting if they move on from Jimmy Garoppolo and free up cap space. But until then, there's no reason to talk about it because I don't think you're going to be able to sign a wide receiver that has the potential to make this team for under the top 51 threshold. Uh, top 51 contracts, if you're going to go above that, you just can't do that right now. 49ers have the least amount of money in the NFL as far as uh, salary cap space. And then when it comes to the tight ends, um, of course, George Kittle. And it got a little bit more interesting. We talked about it a little bit yesterday, the signing of Tyler Croft. Uh, definitely complicated you know, the tight end room a little bit. And I like that. I like the competition because the belief was that Jordan Matthews was going to be the competition. Now, Eric Branch has George Kittle, Charlie Warner, and Ross Tuoli. So he's going status quo. Um, so staying status quo is with the guys who have basically been here uh, since 2020. Uh, yeah, since 2020. Uh, 2020, 2021, 2022 potentially is how Eric Branch sees it. Of course, in 2020, Jordan Reed was the fourth tight end. They went with the fourth tight end, which is a little surprising at the time. But now you you got these three guys. But my question is, and I'll pose this to the TCC as well, could Tyler Croft sneak in here and knock off Ross Dwelly? Because I do believe Ross Dwelly is the guy in the bubble. I don't think it's Charlie Warner. I think it is Ross Dwelly. So um, Ross Dwelly um, is going to have to compete with Tyler Croft, compete with Jordan Matthews. Those are the two guys I think that have an opportunity uh, to make this roster. So we have five guys. Now we do know they have Tanner Hudson. They have uh, Troy Fumagilli as well. Those are guys that they've brought in to help, you know, maybe the most competitive tight end room we've seen in San Francisco in the Kyle Shanahan, you know, uh, John Lance regime, because these guys are pretty good. So it's something that they're working on. They're getting a lot of, you know, depth at certain positions. George Kittle, Charlie Warner locks in my in my opinion. But um, we'll see. We'll see what happens with Ross Dwelly and, and Tyler Croft. And Lou says Ray won't last long with fumbles with Kyle. You're right. You want to get in the doghouse really quick. Uh, you fumble the football. You can't turn over the ball. And that's something we can't have from special teams. And I'm sure that's going to be an emphasis from the new special teams coach as well. We need uh, field position changes. You need guys that are going to be able to flip field position for your team. That is something the 49ers haven't always been able to do. So I'm I'm excited about that opportunity of Ray Ray McLeod helping in that area. But if he's not able to do it, are we going to count on Ombre Thomas? You know, are we going to count on uh, one of these other guys, Brandon Ayuk again? Because I thought the Brandon Ayuk experience really didn't work out. It really, the experiment really didn't work out as him as a return guy. I value him so much as a wide receiver, but in special teams, um, he let the ball hit the ball or hit the ground too much on the punt, and I was just really, really concerned about that. Uh, and and what's up, John? Sac Francisco's in the house, so welcome to chat. Four yards, Fogey says bye bye, Ross. Um, ready to move on from Ross potentially. Freddie Mac Dre, you know, saying the same thing. He might be in trouble, and I think so. I think if you're talking about a as a person, you know, as a guy that works hard, I think Ross Dwelly is definitely that. I mean, he's a local kid. 
You know, I mean, he's he's from the Sacramento area. So he's a guy that definitely, you know, fans have really enjoyed having on the team, you know, but like it was brought up earlier uh, from Laxdad, Croft can block, you know, and that's been a big weakness of Ross Dwelly in recent in recent years is the fact that his blocking has fell off from 2019. Um, and then when it comes to the passing game, he hasn't been as effective as he was in 2019, where it really looked like he was coming onto the scene. I was excited about his potential and thought he was a very solid tight end, too. It was last year that me and Alex sat here and said, you know what, we need a better tight end, too. And we've seen the 49ers, you know, work out Delaney Walker, go ahead and sign Michael Pruitt and, you know, have them come in and or have uh, Michael Pruitt come in. But Pruitt was dealing with a calf, never really got on the field and then wasn't gone. Um, so that, that's one of the things I think, I think that they needed to bring someone in. I think that's what they were trying to do. And, and now they've got guys that are going to be able to compete. And uh, we kept hoping they were going to do it in the draft. They never addressed it in the draft, but decided to go with Tyler Croft, a guy who had, you know, a third round grade and was able to get drafted in the eighties. Um, so, so that's pretty good. So that, that means the 49ers definitely have some competition because Ross Dwelly was undrafted. Charlie Warner was a six round pick. George Kittle was a fifth-round pick. The 49ers don't spend high draft picks on tight ends. They just haven't done it. And they usually stay the course when it comes to their beliefs on value of position players. Uh, and you're right, Freddie Mac, uh, Kittle loves Ross. And if that had anything to do with it, like he would be on the team. Because Kittle likes Jimmy Garoppolo, and he's probably gone. And Jimmy loved uh, Bethard, and Bethard's gone. Uh all right, definitely Kittle. You know, he he has his guys that he likes, um, but the 49ers have definitely proven that they don't really care what he thinks. Uh, I mean, I'm sure they care, but in the grand scheme of things, you have to make decisions that are best for their football team, and, and that's what they're going to go and do. But you're right. He does really like Beathard. In fact, or I mean, uh, he does like uh, Ross Dwelly. Dwelly's been working out with them, so um, I, th I think that that's something that uh, always you take into account because they said he's been getting jacked. He's been getting big and physical. Uh, Kyle Shannon brought it up a little bit. Um, so now here we come. Here we come to the offensive line spot. Um, this is the one that that a lot of people have been talking about because offensive line is one of the most uh, interesting ones. And and Eric Branch has the 49ers keeping eight offensive linemen. Uh, potentially, I think this could be nine. And one of the things to take into account when we're going through this list is he does have the 49ers uh, still have Alex Mack on the roster. So Kyle Shanahan once again gives nothing in his presser today about Alex Mack other than he's in another country and that he know he has a pretty good idea what Alex is going to do, that Alex has a pretty good idea what he's going to do, and that the 49ers media should have an idea of what Alex Mack is going to do. Uh, so whatever that means, I, I, I'm not sure on that one. Uh, Donald Johnson, I've been saying Niners need to tie in for years to go with Kittle. You're right, and and we're we're right there with you. And and thanks, uh, San Francisco John, for Bosa in the Bosa sacking the like button. I really appreciate that. And, and now we're into it. And and 49er Fogies is already jumping on with Nick Sakel. So yeah, let's get into it. So let's let's go with what Eric Branch said, and then we'll have a nice conversation whether we agree with him or not. And I think first off, you know, we know Alex Mack, if he's going to be back, and this is how he has it. Alex Mack is on this roster. Trent Williams on the roster, of course. Uh, Aaron Banks, Daniel Brunskill, Mike McGlinchey, Jalen Moore, and Spencer Burford. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Eric Branch has Colton McKivitz making this roster as the eighth guy. Um, so uh, Colton McKivitz is, is going to be the eighth guy, according to Eric Branch. So that means he had Jake Brindle. Justin Skule, Keaton Sutherland, Nick Sakel, Donovan West, Jason Poe, Sam Schluter, and Alfredo Gutierrez as being guys who cut. Now, Alfredo Gutierrez, they don't actually have to cut per se. He doesn't count against their 53-man roster as he's part of the international program. So uh, take that into account as well when we're going through this. Uh, and, and Mr. Corey says this Alex Mack situation is now silly season. I know I don't really understand it either. I'm really hoping Alex Mack is going to do something and, and clear this thing up uh, because it, it is one of those things that's interesting. And Lou is saying goodbye, McKivitz. Um, Yeah, I think that that's one of the things I, I really did see. And Lax said Mack is working out. He's coming back. That was my belief. I'd seen Mack working out before. But this whole conversation, to be honest, uh, Laxdag, um, with Kyle Shannon saying he knows, but it, he's going to wait for... Uh, Alex to kind of say it. It's just interesting because you would think if he was coming back, they would just say, oh yeah, he's going to come back. He's going to come back. He's going to be doing his thing when he's ready. Um, now the players were mentioning Alex Mack at uh, both um, the quarterback 
Trey Lance mentioned Alex Mack uh, not being there, but he was, you know, basically that he missed him. And, and then also the same thing with, uh, with uh, George Kittle talking about Alex Mack. So uh, potentially, maybe. Uh, so those are, those are some of the things that are still coming out. And I, I just can't tell you for sure. I, I have my inklings on, on Alex Mack and whether he's going to come back or not. I always believed he was going to come back for second season. Uh, I do believe, however, if they had won the Super Bowl last year, he would have retired. So I think that it's 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 interesting conversation. And then uh, San Francisco Sakel's making this team, not talking about practice squad either. Book it, um, and that's where I'm with you. I, that's that was my change from what Eric Branch had. I have Colton McKivitz not making the roster, and I have Nick Zakel making the roster, and I have Nick Zakel being the understudy for Alex Mack if Alex Mack is indeed on this team. Now, where it gets interesting. Does Mac have any dead money? I believe he does. I'm not, Lou, I'll have to look it up because I'm not really sure uh, exactly how much dead money. I was getting into the D4 dead money today um, because all the reports are coming out that, you know, Matt Barrow said D4 potentially is going to be cut post June 1 and it's going to cost the 49ers $5.5 million in, in dead money. So that's definitely going to hurt. They're going to free up, you know, a little over $3 million over the next couple of years, but they're going to take a huge hit, five and a half for two straight years. That's not the kind of dead money you want. And I know there would be dead money to come with um, Alex Mack, but I don't have that in front of me. So uh, we'll definitely talk about that later. But I do believe that, you know, I'm going to go ahead and go with Alex Mack coming back, but I'm going to talk about a situation in which he doesn't. Um, and I think if Alex Mack comes back, you just take out Colton McKivitz from what Eric Branch had. You insert Nick Sakel. He's the understudy. He's the center uh, that's going to be playing for you know, Kyle Shanahan and then developing a nice chemistry with Trey Lance eventually. I think that's the way to go. And I think the versatility of him to be able to play all five positions gives him a little bit more value than Colton McKivitz. Uh, Colton McKivitz, a guy that they already cut last year. He was a guy who didn't make the initial 53-man roster, but they put him on the practice squad. Whenever they've been able to cut you once before, it means they can cut you again. So I do believe that that's something that, that can happen. And I think Zakel is just a, a guy that should be making it and Ray saying good riddance to D4. Yeah, I mean, I think the only thing that stinks about D4 being gone is you miss all that potential, but the injuries have definitely got into the way. And it also stinks that you're going to have to take $5.5 million in hits. Uh, and Freddie Mac Dre says all of our money issues can be solved with Jimmy G being gone. At one point, do we address the team needs over keeping Jimmy? I think it's once Jimmy is able to clear um, you know, his physical, once he passes his physical on his shoulder, then that's when everything kicks into high gear. They can release him without incurring the close to $8 million of uh, the insurance uh, payout that they would have to pay. And they can also move him and trade him because teams would now be able to see him work out, be able to see his medical and, and know that he's happy. Or I mean, that know that he's healthy. So I think that those are, are things that can still come. Uh, but it's going to all wait until Jimmy Garoppolo's healthy enough to throw, which I believe is going to be at the end of June. So all all things are waiting on Jimmy early June, late June, early July is kind of the spot where he's going to be able to potentially clear his physical and pass his physicals. And once he does, uh, then he could be on the move. So Nick Zakel makes it in this situation. Now, the alternate situation in which Alex Mack is, it retires, I think. My first inclination would be, depending on what happens with Jalen Moore, we had the conversation yesterday about Jalen Moore and, Al and um, Aaron Banks being the two starting guards. And I don't know if anyone's seen Aaron Banks. The dude looks fantastic, by the way. Uh, Aaron Banks looks absolutely fantastic. He looks like he's in shape and ready to go. So we're seeing Laxdad talking about Burford. I love Burford as well. And I think that's going to be one heck of a battle on the interior. You're going to have Daniel Brunskill, Aaron Banks, Jalen Moore, and Spencer Burford battling it out for the starting guard jobs. Who's going to get it is going to be the big question. I think one, you know, one of them, Burford or Moore, uh, maybe even Brunskill, is going to end up being the swing tackle as well. So one of them is eventually going to bow out of this situation, but they're going to be pushing. If Banks can win a guard spot, that's the best situation for the 49ers because that means you are freeing up some of these tackles that have position versatility to play on the outside and inside. Banks is the guy that doesn't have position versatility. You need Banks to play guard. Uh, so him winning the left guard spot is definitely important for the 49ers. And then everyone else uh, has the versatility to be able to play a bunch of different spots, including Nick Zakel. So that would create a lot of opportunities there. In that situation, though, it would come down to Colton McKivitz and Jake Brindle. And I believe that if you're moving Brunskill to center, 
then Brindle doesn't make this team. However, if you are not willing to move Brunskill, if you want to keep Brunskill at guard, if you want to see him battle it out you know, with these other guys, then it is going to be Jake Brindle as a starting center because I don't think you can roll with Nick Zakel as a starting center in his first year. Maybe. Maybe. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, that would be asking a lot. He's a developmental guy. Does he have the intelligence to handle the position? Absolutely, he does. Does he have the physical traits to be able to move inside and start at center at this level in the NFL? I don't know. You know, I, I really don't. And I, I can't sit here and say from the film I saw from him at Fordham, from his senior fil- or senior bowl film, that I can say he translates to being a starting center in the NFL uh, in his first year. I just can't say that. So I think that the questions really start to get um, you know, added up. I and mean, we just get question after question if Alex Mack decides to retire. I'm hoping the 49ers know what they're going to do and have a really good plan. But we can't forget, Jake Brendel was cut last year. He didn't make the initial 53-man roster. Paul McKivitz was cut last year. He didn't make the initial 53-man roster. Both of them ended up serving a big purpose on the 49ers roster as the season went on and injuries piled up. But that is the value the 49ers have seen them with. So um, there's going to be a heavy competition at this offensive line spot. And I'm really excited about it. I really am. I love offensive line, and there's some really, really talented players. And here we are talking about that, and we haven't even given credence to the fact that Donovan West is a guy that a lot of people had valued as high as a third round. Donovan West didn't get drafted. So potentially Donovan West could be in, is involved in this as well. Him and Nick Sakel are going to battle it out to see who can get that center job. Uh, Brendel as well. But I think they're going to go with a younger guy if if – if Mac comes back, they're going to go with a younger guy than Brendel. Brendel will not make this roster if Alex Mack comes back. Um, I'm I'm saying that pretty strong, and and I just believe that because I believe you can go with one of these other guys to go ahead and get it done. So I'm I'm excited about this position. Um, Justin Skule, we didn't mention him. I'm going to bring him up right now. He will be in contention for that swing tackle spot. He's a guy that they definitely valued last year, and I think coming back from the ACL, he's going to have to prove. You know what he can do, but this is a good situation for the 49ers because even though we don't have clear cut starter at the left guard spot, minus it being Banks, I think they have a lot of potential players that can get it done. If one of them happens to work out, and if two of them do, uh, this 49ers offensive line is set because they definitely have the left tackle to go with it. And if Mac is back, you have the center, and I think you're feeling really pretty comfortable with who you got. Uh, Lax Dad says Banks is better than Zane Beatles. Okay, I like that. I'll, I'll take it. Um, Mr. Corey says if Mac returns and him and Kyle handed this extremely immaturely, maybe it hasn't been handled the best. And, you know, and they could be criticized for that. If, if that's something that's going on, it could be as simple as Alex Mack maybe doesn't, doesn't know for sure. Or doesn't, you know, what doesn't want to say, um, we'll see, you know what I mean? And, and that's the thing, it, how they handled it can be criticized for sure. If, if, you know, if you don't like the way it's been, uh, handled, the one thing I'll say is I, I, I don't know how many people are going to care about that situation as much as they're going to care about him being back. And if he did decide to come back, I think a lot of people will be very excited about Alex Mack coming back because they know that that would stabilize the interior offensive line. You potentially could have one, maybe two young players on each side of Alex Mack. We don't want to go into the season with three. I mean, I think that would be good in the long term because then you know the interior offensive line is set for years and and set through the contract of Trent Williams. But you don't want that to happen this year for poor Trey Lance in his first year as being a starter. Uh, Freddie Mac Dre says, West not being drafted doesn't make me confident in him making the team. But yeah, I definitely don't. You know, I think he's going to come in and compete. I think he's a guy that does have a lot of capabilities. But with how deep this offensive line is, the 49ers traditionally go with offensive tackles that can move inside. So he's already behind the eight ball there. Aaron Banks was the outlier because he's a second-round pick. But most of the time, they like the guys who have position versatility. Position versatility makes a lot of sense for the 49ers because they run outside zone. Getting the most athletic guys who are usually offensive tackles to be able to run your outside zone and your gap scheme. These guys being able to pull, uh, being able to kick out you know, uh, defensive players and guys who can move people off their spots. That's why Burford and Zakel's aggressiveness and, st- and aggressive style of play makes sense for the 49ers' impressive wide street, or I mean, uh, uh, run scheme. Uh, so I think that they're guys that the Niners just continually want to bring in, and they're the perfect fits. Uh, that's why I'm so high on them. I'm high on both Zakel and Burford. I think they're going to be very good football players. I think they can come in and compete with these guys. And even though I think Banks and Jalen Moore have a you know a, a kind of a step up on them and an advantage because they've been in the league playing for Chris Forster for a uh, you know full season, I think these guys can go battle. Um, so I'm I'm kind of excited. 
Uh, Lucas Mack, one year, Treader, two years, Brunskill, free agent next year, Brendel, no, need to prep a center for the future. I think that's what they're trying to do. And I, I do think the center of the futures on this roster, I, I just believe it's going to be Nick Zakel. I think he's going to end up winning this job uh, eventually. I think he's going to be the understudy to Alex Mack this year if Mack returns and then uh, he'll take over the spot. So I'm I'm definitely excited about that. Mr. Chorus is my dream O-line for what's on the roster. Trent Williams, Aaron Banks on the left. Mack at center, Moore at right guard, and Daniel Brunskill at right tackle. Wow. Mr. Corey is ready to go Daniel Brunskill over uh, Mike McGlinchey. That is very interesting. I, I haven't seen anyone be willing to do that, Mr. Corey, so I applaud you uh, for taking that chance and opportunity to go with Brunskill. Uh, Brunskill's a good football player, but I think I would really like to have this. We'll disagree a little bit, Mr. Corey, but I, I hey, I like the boldness. Um, I would rather have, you know, Mike McGlinchey because I do believe when he's 320 pounds, he's just a fantastic run blocker and he can move people off their spots at a higher rate than Daniel Brunskill. If you want to talk about strictly pass blocking, Brunskill can probably um, hang or be even a little bit better than than uh, McGlinchey. But when it comes to the run game, McGlinchey's one of the best, you know, blocking run, run blocking tackles in the league. Uh, so I, I would roll with with uh, McGlinchey because I do believe the first emphasis is still going to be on running the football. And as long as they're a run first team that, you know, ends up developing the, the pass game uh, with a play action pass, I'm going with McGlinchey. But um, they're they're probably looking for a long term answer outside of Mike McGlinchey, because next year McGlinchey would make a significant amount of money being unrestricted free agent. There's no guarantees. Horns haven't proven that they want to take offensive linemen, but his understudy could already be on this roster. It could be Jalen Moore. Uh, it could be Daniel Brunskill. Or it could, in fact, you know, be somebody like Spencer Burford. So I, I think that they have been, you know, working it to be able to bring players in that can compete. Um, but I don't know. That's an interesting proposition, though. I'm going to keep an eye on Daniel Brunskill. And if that materializes, Mr. Corey, you get all the credit. You get all the credit for that. I'll, I'll try to remember that because uh, well done going bold. And and that's what uh, that's what uh, Lou was saying, too. That's bold. And hey, we like bold around here. So I, I don't I don't mind it. Uh, Grish says, which O-lineman you think best fit for the inside zone versus the outside zone? I think inside zone-wise, Aaron Banks makes the most sense as far as his physicality and size on the interior. If we're talking about interior offensive lineman, he makes the most sense for the inside zone. Um, the outside zone, he's got to have the athletic ability to be able to get you know across someone's face and get up, up to the second level and be able to block linebackers or just be able to move a guy and move with it. one of these athletic defensive linemen which could be a little bit tougher. If you're talking about a guy that's really good for the outside zone, it's going to be one of these more athletic offensive linemen, such like Jalen Moore, uh, extremely athletic, former basketball player, has the speed and ability to be able to get to the second level, kind of that Trent Williams type um, athletic ability. That's what you like from the position, and that's what he can do. But the problem is on the inside zone game, he's not as physical at the point of attack like Burford, Zakel, Trent Williams, Mike McGlinchey. All those guys are more physical. They're... Uh, a lot tougher at the point of attack where that's the reason Moore didn't start at the end of the season. Fortnite's emphasis was still on running the football, and they did that with Tom Compton. Compton ended up being the better run option, so they rolled with him. And so I think that's something that Jalen Moore's got to get better at. But if he got bigger, stronger, more physical, which he definitely could do, then he makes a lot of sense for the 49ers in the interior. And that's the right situation. And it's funny because... Last year, that was something that I was kind of hoping for. I kept saying maybe Jalen Moore would develop. And if the 49ers went ahead and hit on two um, draft picks last year, they ended up being starting guards for their team. That's extremely impressive. I would definitely be excited about that. And Mr. Corey uh, is going saying Brunskill was better than McGlinchey at right tackle in 2019 overall, especially for a guy that was undrafted versus a guy that was a top 10 pick. Yeah, Brunskill is a, a guy that has a lot of ability. You know, and he came out of the AAF and... Um, he was a guy that maybe a lot of people didn't know about, but he played pretty well there. And so he did come in and play well in 2019. In fact, when he was playing uh, left tackle and uh, Justin Skill was playing right or vice versa, uh, eventually it was one of those things where Brunskill took over for Skill when they when they had an injured player come back. I think Joe Staley came back or McGlinchey or vice versa. I can't remember who came back first in that. So I'm um, sorry, I can't remember exactly. But I remember Brunskill ended up being the better option than Skule. And I do believe Brunskill is a better option than than Skule. Um, Freddie McDray says, I've torn quad off the bone. It's not a quick comeback. Yeah, you're right. It's not. And I think the only reason... Um, that I'm okay with with what's being said is because Kyle Shannon once again reiterated that Mike McGlinchey's ahead of schedule and Mike McGlinchey could could have practiced in OTAs right now, but why? And and that's exactly right. There's no reason to rush him back, but they believe he's going to be ready for training camp. 
So I think he's just farther along in, in that regard. And in fact, um, that gives you a lot of optimism about what he can do. But it's definitely a, a scary injury and an injury you don't come back quick from. Uh, but these guys are getting the best training with the best physical trainers. And, you know, everything that they do is about getting better. And luckily, he did it early on in the year and has had a lot of time to recover. So maybe. And 49ers Fogey says Nick Zakel on both both counts. Uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're both fans. We're I'm agreeing with you on this, Gary. We're, we're going to be fans of Nick Zakel. I'm hoping Nick Zakel makes this roster and ends up developing into the player I believe he can be. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, and then Ray says, I'm hoping Juwan Jennings has more of an impact this year. He started to show signs last year, but with Trey Train this year, I think Jennings has a solid season. Uh, Juwan Jennings was definitely learning his role, and I think his role expanded with the injury to Muhammad Sanu. So the fact that Sanu got hurt gave him the opportunity. And when you get that opportunity, you kick the door down, you go in and you take it. And that's what he did. So, yeah, there's going to be more opportunities for him. I think at times, you know, the foreigners are going to employ a four wide receiver system because of how great Juwan Jennings is at blocking. Anytime you're a really good blocker and then you're able to secure catches uh, at a high rate for Kyle Shanahan, you're going to get playing time. So I think Kyle really likes Juwan Jennings. I expect him to definitely have a good season this year. And I think all these wide receivers are going to have opportunities because when plays break down, Trey is going to be able to extend plays and get the ball down the field. So I, I'm, I'm excited about Juwan Jennings' potential this year, and that's why he was a shoe-in you know, to, to make this uh, 49ers um, roster because, I mean, a lot of people would say he's the, the third wide receiver. Of course, we know I don't believe that anyone is, in fact, the third wide receiver that Kyle Shanahan looks at it more like, what am I going against? What are the matchups that I'm looking at? Who do I need to have on the field to be able to have um, the best play? So, uh, and then Lou says, I think they could keep uh, McGlinchey. His health will be the answer, but waiting costs more money to extend. Yeah, I think they're letting this season play out, letting this see how his health is. He struggled, you know, in 2020 mightily with when he went with the, the lighter weight. He wasn't able to move people off his spots with physicality. Um, so his quickness didn't benefit him in that area. Was he a better run blocker? And as far as downfield, yeah, he was tremendous. But that's something that he's got he had to work out. And now that he's playing at 320 pounds, can he stay healthy? We'll see. And if he can stay healthy the whole year, he's probably going to get himself a nice contract. We'll see if San Francisco ends up, you know, giving him that money. Or if, you know, they go ahead and let him move on. But I think they're definitely, you know, working on finding players that could potentially take that spot if they can't afford it. The same thing they did with uh, Lake and Tomlinson. You draft a year ahead and make sure you have a player that can step in in case you miss them. And I, I think that they've been doing this for a while and they're ready. And Alex Volkner says, haven't heard much on Danny Gray today. Uh, yeah, you know, I haven't heard anything about Danny Gray either. I mean, Danny Gray, they talked a lot about him after um, rookie minicamp and just his ability to fly and, we know that uh, Brandon Ayuk talked about Danny Gray being really fast. Uh, so, he, you know, that's that's something he's got going for him. And I, I do like some of the video I saw of him, just his releases and things look so smooth. Uh, he looks comfortable out there. So I think he's somebody that we're going to keep an eye on. And the things that he was saying about taking the top off the defense, uh, that's exciting. That's what we want. We want a player that can go take the top off. And what is up, Jay Ellie? Uh, welcome. I haven't seen JL in, in a while. I hope everything is okay there. I know you were dealing with the fires there in New Mexico, so I hope you're doing well there. Um, really good. And then Donald Johnson, I hope you're doing well as well. I know you had the finger issue, so I hope that's getting better. Um, and uh, John, San Francisco says, which running back is on the outside looking in? I think it's Jermichael Hasty. I think Jermichael Hasty's on the outside looking in. He's looking up at all those big physical running backs that are ahead of him, you know, with, with two guys that could potentially fill his third down role. Uh, because of the versatility of Jeff Wilson Jr. and Elijah Mitchell. They can both catch the ball in the backfield. You've seen Elijah Mitchell's role in the passing game definitely grow as the season went on. And when he got into the playoffs, he was making plays in that area. So I think that both of those guys are going to somewhat take that role away from Jermichael Hasty, and the, and the 49ers are going to go with big, more physical guys. Um, let's see, 49ers were fools prideful to pick up McGlinchey's fifth-year option. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that one of the things when it comes down to Mike McGlinchey's fifth-year option is it was pretty cheap. Um, $10.8 million for a right tackle in the league uh, is pretty cost-effective, number one. Number two, you know what you're getting from Mike McGlinchey, which is a superb run blocker. So if you're getting one of the better run blockers in the league at $10.8 million with the value that you see around the league, you have to go ahead and do it. You know, I mean, if they had a better option, they would probably take it. But sometimes the best option is who you have currently. So you just roll with that. And I think that that's what they did. If it ends up being, you know, a, a, a bad move, um, then they can definitely be criticized for that. But right now, to me, it looks like a good move because who was going to slide in at right tackle? I mean, I know you think Daniel Brunskill can, Mr. Corey, but I, I disagree with you a little bit on that. 
where I believe Mike McGlinchey is a better option than Daniel Brunskill. I think he's a better tackle. Um, so I, I think that that's what they're looking at. And $10.8 million is is pretty darn cheap for an offensive tackle in this league. Um, JLE's is catching up on some shows. Uh, well done. Uh, yeah, get after it, uh, JLE. Um, it, I, it's, it's been an exciting time, you know, it really has. And, you know, the foreigners had a lot of conversations today about OTAs. Um, so, uh, OTAs is, is one of those things where it shouldn't probably be as big a news as it is. Um, uh, but people in 49er land are itching for, you know, conversation. We're itching for the season to get started. And that's why we're talking about this 53 man roster and who's going to make it, you know, and that's one of the things we're going to get into again tomorrow. We're going to talk about the, the defensive side of the football. Which one of these, you know, 49ers uh, defensive linemen aren't going to make this team? That's going to be one heck of a conversation. And I'm going to tell you right now, we're starting at 5 o'clock tomorrow. Starting at 5, you don't want to miss that because I'm going to go through defensive linemen first. I'm going to do defensive linemen first tomorrow. I'm not going to wait like I did offensive linemen today. Uh, Tomorrow we're going defensive linemen first. So if you want to get into that noise, uh, make sure you're right when we start out. You're not going to want to miss that. And Alex Faulkner says... Where would you rank the 49ers overall depth compared to the rest of the league? Um, it, I, I think when it comes to uh, the rest of the league, I think they're one of the top teams. I do. I, I think when you come to overall depth, they've done a really good job of, you know, insulating themselves at almost all positions. I think you could you could potentially talk about safety being a, a spot the 49ers could be better at, um, but it could just be better at the starting position. They have some depth there. I think if we you know, thought Tarverius Moore was a big-time player or, or Talano Hufanga could step in next to Jimmy Ward, we'd feel probably pretty good about the overall depth of that position. But because there's questions about the starter, I kind of question the rest of the depth as well. Um, so I think that's something that is, is still to be looked at. But, I mean, defensive line, offensive line, uh, tremendous depth, defensive back, corners. Who would have thought, uh, Alex, that we could say that corners was a spot that the foreigners had extreme depth at. I mean, they're going to cut some really good football players. That's going to be another good one. I mean, if this was a, a fun conversation about offense, tomorrow is going to be absolutely fantastic because uh, there are some positions the foreigners are going to have to cut really, really, really good football players. Um, so I'm excited about that. And Jay Ellie says, uh, yeah, more more people need to catch that. He's, he's talking about the slightly offside show um, that's going on. If, if you're a channel member, or you're on uh, on Patreon, and we release it early on Patreon, it's it's um you know it's it's me and horse uh doing 49ers uh talk um but a little bit of a different spin on it you know i mean it we're we're having some fun we're kind of joking a little bit so if you guys haven't seen that if you're a channel member um go ahead and check that out let us know what you think about that um we're going to be putting out more and more of that uh in the future so that that's definitely exciting so i'm glad you liked it jelly um we're looking forward to doing even more of those so um i'm i'm ex- super excited about you know a lot of these players and and donald johnson says aunt uh and ray uh thanks yes my finger my finger's better and it, the hand surgeon said i don't need surgery just was dislocated and badly sprained that's great news anytime you can avoid surgery that's good news so i'm, I'm glad you're doing good donald I, I really do um so yeah i think that you know the 49ers um team is really good there's a lot of depth all around on offense and defense the key is going to be, and that's why when when I put out kind of like a an early yeah oh and I'll, I'll just a second I'll get to J- JLE Alex is doing all right Alex is just on a little bit of a break right now he'll be back in no time um, but you know I'm I'm covering for him right now and we're just having a good time and and he'll he'll be back and and we'll get back to it but um, this this team overall the depth. Uh, the Fortnite's are going to have some hard decisions about who do you keep at certain areas. You know, if you're keeping nine offensive linemen, you know, can you potentially keep the amount of defensive linemen you need to keep? Uh, because I think that's where you're you're going to have some interesting things. Last year, the 49ers defense kept 11 defensive linemen. Are you afforded to keep 11 defensive linemen this year? And if you're not, who are you cutting or who are you trading? It's going to be a fascinating conversation because uh, this, this 49ers uh, team overall is stacked locked and loaded uh, and they've done a really good job of drafting and developing and if you have a few guys you know step up like we talked a little bit about aaron banks and jalen moore if those two guys end up becoming the players that everyone wants and hopes they can be look out i mean absolutely look out this offensive line is going to be fantastic now that does hinge on the fact that we're hoping alex mack comes back because mack coming back that offensive line is stabilized and focused and ready to roll um if mack doesn't come back there's tremendous questions i mean and it could be answered as simple as, you know, like a lot of people are bringing up in chat, going out and signing J.C. Treader. If you go and you get J.C. Treader, then then that works. Um, but if not, 
you know, then you got to make other other moves. And one of those moves could be Daniel Brunskill to center. I'm not a huge fan of Daniel Brunskill going to center. I, I'm not. I don't think he played that well at center. I know it was his first time doing it in 2020, uh, but I wasn't exactly super excited about that. Um, I, I think that Rendell's a better option than than him, but we'll see. Uh, San Francisco says, like George Kittle, miss his guys. I miss my guy, Alex. There you go. So uh, San Francisco's missing Alex. Yeah, I miss Alex as well. Um, always good times when he's on here. We have a lot of fun, so I'm looking forward to when he comes back. Uh, Mr. Corey says, David Lombardi predicted that we cut Jordan Willis and Kevin Givens. Um, I think in that situation, Mr. Corey, I, I don't want to get too much into what we're going to talk about tomorrow, um, but why would you cut two really good football players that have value for other football teams? To me, that doesn't make a lot of sense. We've seen the 49ers um, go ahead and, and trade players at the end of free agency before. Uh, so if those are two guys, potentially... Um, that could be moved. They have a lot of value for other football teams. And, and why would you cut players that you could potentially move? Um, so, I mean, I think those guys could be on the bubble. We'll see. Uh, that's going to be a fun conversation. What's up, Rich? Welcome to chat. Uh, I'm glad you're here. Uh, and JL is agreeing with me. Don't really like Brunskill at center. Yeah, just just not feeling that situation of Brunskill at center. I like him at guard. Um, I think the only situation that I like Brunskill at center is if he's going to get beat out at another position. But I think the perfect scenario is actually... Brunskill being your swing tackle. If Jalen Moore or, or you know Spencer Burfer or one of these guys is able to start a guard, uh, Aaron Banks is able to start a guard, and Alex Mack comes back, Brunskill at the, the swing tackle is the perfect situation for the 49ers. Um, so I think those are, are really, really good situations that you know the 49ers have put themselves in because of draft and development. And you know they went out and they had two offensive linemen last year. You know, they got Colton McKivitz um, the year before that in 2020 when they traded for Trent Williams. In the fifth round, they still use the pick they got from the Matt Breida trade to go ahead and, and get Holden McKivitz, uh, fifth-round pick there. you know, And then Jalen Moore, fifth-round pick. Aaron Banks, second-round pick. Uh, Justin Scholes, a sixth-round pick in 2019. So they have a lot of, of players that they've invested in on this offensive line, and we're going to see it come to fruition. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely excited about it. And you know what? This was a great episode. I really had a lot of fun talking with everyone about the 453 man roster. Really appreciate everyone's opinions. Uh, we had some bold comments, which I love. I love when people come with some bold. Uh, people come with some disagreements, which I I improve I approve of as well, uh, because that's what furthers the conversation. You know, I want to see uh, what you know what you guys are thinking, and and maybe that gives me a different perspective on something. So I'm definitely excited about all that. So I'm. Um, I'm super pumped about what's going to happen in tomorrow's episode as well, the defense. So make sure you guys come by. Of course, if you have a question right now, go ahead and throw it in. I'll, I'll sneak in a couple more uh, before I log off. But um, I'm definitely excited about this team. You know, the 90-man roster is fantastic. So uh, I'm expected. And uh, Richard Algo says, Kyle did say he expects to have an answer from Mac by training camp. Yeah, I would think so. You know, I, I think when we're really going to get to notice, Rich, is when we get to uh, mandatory minicamp. You know, when it's mandatory minicamp, if Alex Mack doesn't show up, or there's no answer there. Um, that's when I'll start to get concerned about whether Mac wants to come back or not. Uh, but he is a veteran, and sometimes veterans just don't want to play. You know, they don't want as far as playing in practice. They don't want to practice. They want to play in the games, but they want to kind of you know get through all the other stuff. They're just not willing to go through the grind of doing those things again. Um, if he's working out, then I feel confident in his abilities. If he's not, I I'm kind of worried about it. But yeah, I, I think we're gonna have an answer about Mac. And about Debo Samuel and Kyle Shannon said also that he expects to see Debo Samuel uh, for mandatory. As he talked about, you know, not just him, but Trent Williams as well. And also Nick Bosa. He expects to see all of them for mandatories. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see if uh, Debo Samuel shows up or if he wants to, you know, to deal with those uh, those fines. And I don't think he really does. Um, Mr. Corey says, if there's not at least two O-line starters out of these now, last two drafts, 49ers need to stop drafting O-linemen. Uh, I think the good thing about it, too, Mr. Corey, because I do think they're going to have some starting guys out of this, um, but they took them all late. Spencer Burford and Aaron Banks are the highest of the two. Of course, uh, Banks being a second-round pick, Burford being a fourth-round pick, everyone else with fifth-round on. So value-wise, you have a lot of value there because fifth-round picks are normally guys who are backups. So if they develop into starting offensive linemen, you have to give them a round of applause for what they did. They went on plucked-out players and later rounds, once again, that developed into being big-time players. Uh, Daniel Brunskill, we should give him credit for. A guy they found in the AAF who was undrafted. You know, I mean, there, there's a lot of really good players that the 49ers have gotten um, that were, you know, kind of thrown by the wayside by other football teams. So uh, this is something that, that the 49ers do. And if they hit again on some of these guys, 
that draft uh, department needs to get an applaud. And then also these coaches who are developing these players definitely should. Um, Jay Ellie says, can't, I wouldn't expect those old vets to be at OTAs, at least on the field. Yeah, I don't expect it either. I don't, I, I don't think they'll be at OTAs. Um, I, I think that it's just mini camp. You'll start to see those guys in there. I don't know if we'll see Alex Mack at that time, um, but I do expect to see Trent Williams. He'll be there. Uh, Nick Bosa will be there. This is the same thing they did last year. They train elsewhere. They come in. I, I do believe Kyle even said that at the end of OTAs that Trey was going to come in and at least like hang out around everybody. So uh, that's it. And uh, you know what, guys? I really, really had a fun episode today. It was exciting getting to talk about this offensive 53-man roster, having some conversations about some of the offensive linemen. I think that's one of the most uh, interesting situations for the 49ers this year. It's really good. And I'm excited about getting into tomorrow because tomorrow is going to be fantastic. Make sure you join me right here at 49ers Cutback at 5 p.m. so we can go over all the defensive 53-man roster. We're going to work off Eric Branch's list again. If you guys want to go peep that from San Francisco Chronicles so you have a heads up, we're going to go through that, and then we're going to talk about you know the things we agree with and the things we don't. I think he did a pretty good job, uh, and and we're going to use that as our, our starting point, and we're going to have a nice conversation, and let's get into this because defensive lineman kicks off the show tomorrow. So if you're excited about talk about defensive linemen, make sure you join me at 5 o'clock. Um, I'm super excited. Uh, and Lou says, just sneaking one in. Lou, will Jimmy G uh, show at minicamp if not traded? No, I don't think so. Uh, I don't think he's going to show up. Him being injured, he doesn't really have to. Um, so I don't think we're going to see Jimmy Garoppolo. We for sure won't see him on the field. Could he end up being there in the facility? He could, um, but I don't I don't think so. Uh, so thanks, everyone, for coming through. Really appreciate everybody. It was a great chat. It was nice seeing everybody. Everyone was here in full force. It was a great time. Looking forward to seeing everyone tomorrow. Don't, don't forget, always remember the right way is always the 49ers way.